This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, this sucks. I've done whole podcasts, yeah, and then been like went to hit the record, like stop recording, and I was like, "Oh fuck, awesome, yeah, smooth, real smooth." So what's new with you? Oh, just living the dream, marketing. Yeah, you're up in PG, for... aren't you? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah I used bad. to. Uh, I lived uh, west of there, Prince Rupert, for 25 years. Oh, nice. You ever been out that way? Tons. Oh yeah, nice yeah. for work or pleasure or. A all of the above yeah yeah i guess kind of uh your line of work it's always yeah, uh, like i it's always photographed a salmon do salmon trips out there like go through there for hiding by shit like that oh yeah nice yeah. yeah i spent a lot of time out there we used to get weathered in i used to fish there in like the heck of straits yeah we skipped uh weathered in there all the time interesting right on spend a week in like charlotte or masset or yeah dance <laughs> bright lights yeah, it was cool though. You got to do the. We did a lot of hunting out there, so hunting yeah. cocktails and shit. So yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, cool, man. Cool. So uh, what's going on up to the northeast of you there? Ugly stuff up there, right? That, yeah, uh, I'm talking some backyard backdoor deals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shady. I'm not in the least surprised, but yeah, it's a complete shit show. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I actually noticed I seen your post, and that's what brought it to my attention. And I yeah. Looking, then I watched, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it's kind of an interesting one. Like, the more you dig into it in the province, like there's deals like that in the works. Central BC, Kelowna, like Northwest, Northeast. It's just a matter of time before we get rocked. Yeah, it's funny how they just slip it under the rug. Yeah, totally. I guess it always comes out when the regs come out, but then everyone's just like, "What the." Yeah, it's react reactionary rather than proactive and, yeah, and then trying to do anything. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Good luck trying to get it back once it's gone, like the freaking grizzly hunt. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I'd be mind blown if it happens, but I could see it happening. Like, but to be able to shut down that much area to fishing, hunting, camping, whatever, like that's just insane to me. Yeah, and that's just the thing. It's not just hunting and fishing that it's gonna be shut down like for everyone yeah, recreational so like, use yeah so like yeah. all those people who like to recreate up there and like even like the residents in that in yeah. that region like yeah. camping totally. whatever whatever the hell you like to do it's gone yeah just crazy just yeah <laughs> scary yeah time will tell hopefully uh hopefully it doesn't uh doesn't go through hopefully enough now it's funny because like you know the province they're trying to hopefully trying to sweep it under the rug with nobody noticing and then like you threw it up on facebook and then like it kind of just spread like wildfire right like and then every, yeah. all of a sudden everybody 
gets wind of it. That's one that's one positive thing about social media is you know, when you yeah. when you want it to, you can use it in your favor to, to yeah, it's your best out. friend and your worst enemy all at once. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So hopefully enough guys uh made us think about it. Yeah. Cool. So how do you pronounce your last name? Traherne. Traherne. Okay. I didn't want to try and fuck it up. Oh, doesn't matter. Everyone does. Uh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I won't know. It'll be one of the statistics. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're a photographer. Were you, uh, are you a hunter turned photographer or photographer turned hunter? Uh, I've been hunting since grade school. So I did oh, yeah. hunting. Then I was an electrician by trade before this. And now I've been photographer in the hunting industry for i guess this is my 11th year now oh yeah so yeah so sparky so were you like a sparky right out of high school pretty much but yeah I jumped on a drilling rig for a very short amount of time and then they kind of turned that into becoming a trade like screw this like i'm never going to school and then like a week later i was enrolled in a trade i'm like well shit <laughs> guess i'm going to school and being an electrician yeah so is it like the same old story uh you know, your dad hunted, you hunted. So, no, so I'm from a non or on the anti hunting side of it family. Oh, really? I am the only person that hunts or I guess one person fishes now, but yeah, definitely oh. not your stereotypical story. Right. Where did um, you grow up? Uh, Lethbridge, Southern Alberta. Oh, Alberta. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Out on the prairies. Cool. So you but, spent your time chasing big bucks. Yeah. Like my first experience, like I didn't even shoot a squirrel before. My first experience bow hunting, a couple of guys took me out that I met through the archery store and I shot a velvet mule buck, like my first hour of hunting in my life. So nice. I was kind of hooked after that. Yeah. That's one thing I yet to get is uh, a velvet muley. Yeah. Tough with our seasons. We got the like, I don't know, man, like the way that my brother lives in red deer. And yeah. So obviously he hunts. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm quite up to speed on on how their how their seasons are in, in alberta and yeah i don't know i'm, I'm definitely a, a fan of how they run things out there as opposed to how we do it here 100 percent, which is yeah. why i go back there like i think i've hunted mule deer once in the nine years i've been in bc it's just not worth it but i try to go back to alberta almost every year yeah yeah i've been uh put in for points out there brothers a rifle hunter turned archer just when he moved out there because he had no other choice right if, if you know yeah it's worth it you get yeah. two extra months yeah for sure so um but yeah i haven't uh haven't been out there yet to hunt mule deer whitetail but not mealy so right on. maybe this year but yeah totally yeah cool man so um how did you get into photography then um just i was in the oil patch still doing the electrical thing and just hating life uh so it was a i think it was a 24 and 4 shift i was working so four days off i bought a little camera package just for something to do on my days off and then it was only a handful of days back in the next shift i just said screw it like i'm gonna try being a photographer walked in like as a foreman quit my job gave back the truck dove head first into it oh yeah nice and, one of those guys yeah dive right in eh? so did you quit yeah. you quit your job right away yeah that's what i mean like oh. eight days after i bought my camera i quit being an electrical foreman <laughs> turned everything in and was all in on this ballsy yeah yeah, I'm kind of an all or nothing mentality with most things. Has its advantages, I guess. Yeah, that first year definitely sucked. Like the savings took a huge hit, but the yeah. remaining decade has been awesome. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's typically, I mean, if you if you put the hard work into it, it it's like anything, right? It's uh, yeah, it's gonna be worth it in the end. So. Yeah, I totally locked out though. Like in my current line of work, you can try all you want, but if you just don't have the eye for it. You can try all you want. You're not going to get it. So there's a lot of just fluke that I had an eye for it, so to speak. Yeah, that's the category I fall into. I, I'm horrible at taking pictures. Horrible. Yeah, I like, have a camera. Like I, I, I can turn the thing on. That's about it. Yeah, so, totally. Like I, I struggle with the camera on my phone. Even like taking pictures for like Instagram and shit. That's why I never put pictures on there. I just, I just, yeah, I'm just horrible at it. Even like when I get into like hunting and like even after the animal's down, I'm just so hyper focused on what I'm doing. And the last thing I'm thinking about is is taking uh taking a picture. You know what yeah. I mean? It takes. Uh, oh, I totally get it. Like when I'm hunting for myself, other than a quick selfie with a iPhone, I don't take any like. It's time for the task at hand, not dicking around with photos. 
Yeah. Do you get to do a lot of hunting uh, without camera? I have pretty good success, but very little days of field. Oh, yeah. I maybe get seven, ten days in an entire year between like spring, fall, winter, whatever. But mm-hmm. like usually get half a dozen ish animals per year in those ten days. So usually pretty effective when I do go up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Those are good. That's good numbers. That's a lot better than my numbers. I'm yeah, like but way at I'm, the other end, about a hundred days, <laughs> six yeah. or seven of those animals. I have a bit different mentality than a lot of guys that hunt. Like a lot of people hate on it, but like I straight up go to kill. I will not leave my doorstep on a hunt if I don't think I can shoot an animal every single day, or yeah. if I go into an area where it's likely going to take fourteen days to find something, I don't go. Like oh yeah. So I have a very different way of looking at it just because like my busiest time is hunting season. So I can't devote that time to myself. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah. I, uh, I'm the same way where, you know, I, I have full intentions of, and like, I only want to go if I'm going to kill any. That's why I have a hard time hunting with friends and stuff or like doing like any yeah. backpack trips or stuff. Cause I'm just, my time. I want to be the guy. Yeah, It's time <laughs> away from, yeah. It's time away from work. It's time away from kid, my kids. So I, yeah. you know, I just, I'm selfish that way. And yeah, I totally wouldn't be the one to shoot, but I mean, obviously if I'm yeah. going, my kid just turned 10, so that'll probably priorities are about to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's just, I'm more stoked than, uh, more stoked for him hunting than I, I've been for myself in a long time. So it's going to be pretty, That's awesome. pretty neat photography in the beginning. how did you make a business of it? Where did it come from? Where did it, how did it get from where you just, you quit your job, you picked up a camera, quit your job. And now you're a very successful photographer that has clients all over the world. Um, Basically at the start, like it was all kind of a product of my love for hunting. Like I wanted to be around wildlife more. So the first four years I shot nothing but wildlife images. So basically just year round, like I went from Alaska to Mexico several times and everywhere in between just shooting any and all wildlife I could find building up like a stock base to start selling. learning how to use a camera because I really did suck at the start. Like it was horrendous and quite embarrassing to look back at what I was but submitting. You, but you but, probably, you probably always had an eye for it. I don't, I don't think like, can you learn that? Like learn the eye or are you just, it's, is it just one of those things where I think it's just developing it. Like, Oh, is that right? I, Cause I didn't know I had it. Like, it was just a practice then going back and looking at your stuff. And it's like, Oh, that would have looked way better if I shot it this way and to work it that way. But yeah. So wildlife was it. And at a, both that one year mark, give or take a month or two, I posted, a, I think it was an elk photo on Facebook and I had a magazine editor reach out that I followed saying, Hey, like, that's a cool shot. You should submit to us. So I just sent them all shit ton of photos and yeah, got a few photos published in a big like North American magazine right off the go. And it's just been uphill since. Yeah. That was it. Eh? Yeah. It's kind of a very small industry. Um, wildlife's just a waste of time now because it's so diluted everyone with the camera but yeah there seems to be a lot like a lot of it yeah like it's straight up why i quit doing wildlife and went to hunting was just too many idiots giving photos away for next to nothing (laughs) just so they could see their name in print or instagram likes oh yeah yeah and and i imagine there's quite the difference of taking hunting or taking pictures for like social media which i imagine there must be guys that take pictures just to get you know likes and follows and shit like that oh and actually take it exactly. for a purpose yeah yeah entirely <laughs> so you've been doing this for how long you said uh, i've been in business for 11 years 11 years now cool so what's yeah. your longest who's your longest standing client all of them i don't have any new clients it's all repeat yeah, <laughs> yeah. um I would probably say Kafaru is probably one of the longer ones at the moment for manufacturers. As for magazines, like there's lots that have been 10 year clients now in the editorial world. Yeah. Yeah. Big name in the industry. A lot of folks recognize that. Any other big, uh, big name clients in the hunting space? I work with Mendel, Leopold, Kafaru, Bergera, First Light, like lots of them. Any and all. All the big boys. Yeah. Like little companies don't have budgets to hire photographers and send them around the world, right? How does that work? Like, do they approach you with an, like, say they have a specific project and they say, hey, we, we need some pictures for this and you'll go and take pictures or do you just have a whole, are you just always taking pictures and then you just send them to certain, like to your clients uh, okay. you think that could use them? No, I don't do it. That's called like a spec, like oh, on okay. spec as there's no guaranteed income that way. I don't right. do that. Yeah. I'm a business. I don't pick up my camera if it's not 
to make money. So it's never just take pictures and hope I can pay my mortgage and retire one day. Right. Everything's right. on an assignment basis. It's it's with purpose. Yeah. So it goes back and forth. Like same thing. They're all long-standing relationships. There's not yeah. a single company I just listed that I haven't worked with for years. So it's if I think something's cool, I'll pitch it to them. If they have stuff, they'll throw it at me back and forth. But I do like four, I guess, buddy hunts a year that pretty much because it's the only time I can hang out and hunt with my friends. Yeah. Same thing. Everything's too busy. So it's still work, but those are the four trips I line up the rest of the year is just straight companies come to me and send me places. Oh, okay. I got you. So like that the, if, uh, say Kafaru or first light, they, they figure that, you know, they need, yeah, they need some photos for this. So they'll, they'll call you up and say, Hey buddy, we gotta, we gotta send you here. And yeah, are you available? This. I got this on the go. Oh Over. shit. That's pretty cool. So yeah, like I have 2022 entirely booked with that already in like a third of 2023 and like this year it's four countries three provinces and nine states or something like that so it's pretty so you travel schedule yeah canada u.s where else do you i'm going to spain and belize this year as well oh shit eh? that's a good gig yeah Yeah. now having said that give some uh give some advice to an inspiring photographer who's listening to you talk and say hey man that's that sounds pretty easy i want to do that don't do it. <laughs> Honestly, the amount of guys that were around when I started versus now, like it's a handful at best. Like the amount of work it takes, you straight up can't have a family. You can pretty much guarantee a divorce. Like you're on the road 300 days a year, 250 or whatever. Like the sacrifices are greater than what it looks like on a surface level. Yeah, so like, you want to be a photographer like I do, but I'm weird. Like I've always been on the road. Like I said, doing 24 and four shifts in the oil patch. Like it's all I've known since mm-hmm. I was 16. Yeah. I would recommend be a photographer, be a hunter and separate those two things and separate those two as well from life. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, Just totally. because like same thing. Do you want to go from four or five, six cool trips, like a spring bear and a hide and a sheep and a deer for yourself to at best yeah. six days in an entire mm-hmm. 365 day stretch. I don't know. Well, that makes sense. I think it's very romanticized in the hunting circles. Yeah. I think there's a lot of romanticized shit in the, in the hunting space um, mm-hmm. lately. Like when you look at how many 16 or 18 hour days, like working through the night, skipping meals to do it. Like it's just, yeah. It's a lot different than how it looks. Yeah, no, I, I bet it is. Like I said, I, I mean, I hunt like again back to that conversation we had. I, you know, the, the time I do get to hunt, I, I like to spend it for myself. But yeah, if, um, which is kind of surprising, you even get that much time if to take off hunting. If you, yeah, if you, it's just because I make it too. Because it's still yeah, right. ultimately why I got into this was my passion for hunting. I think I if I can hunt and fish a little bit myself, I would straight up get a different job. But yeah, and it, that's one thing too with hunting and fishing. I mean. I've always, you know, we've always hunted and fished since, you know, as far as back as I can remember. And now, you know, just with work and, and stuff like that, if I don't get out, I, I go fucking loony, man. Yeah, I totally get it. I guess the luxury is I set my schedule. No one else does. Like if I want seven months off, I do it. I just yeah. obviously wouldn't make nearly as much that year. Yeah. So I mean, and it's that's... also because I'm greedy that I only have that many days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you're coming from a, a business perspective, right? And one thing about being a entrepreneur is that it necessarily doesn't have those, you know, those retirement benefits and, yeah. you know, you got to work hard while you're young and while you can and, yeah. and put money away for, for when you get a little older and you can't do it. So, yeah. Well, that's a big one too. Like talking about aspiring people wanting to get into this, that single-handedly is the most overlooked thing with all the guys I've talked to over the last decade is retirement. Like I've maybe met two professionals in the space that are actually saving so they can retire one day and it's like mind-blowing where i look at it like this job's extremely hard on the body breaking back always carrying way more gear than every single person on the trip like my body's probably going to shut down by 50 (laughs) realistically yeah Yeah, yeah. so like i have to look at it as okay no pension no retirement whatever but i have to save enough to retire 15 years earlier than most people yeah well exactly you don't want to be going back to the oil fields when you're 50 and no, you and know, my back body and realistically won't let me. Yeah, yeah. Just seeing how much it's my knees, my back, everything's deteriorated now in my late 30s. It comes yeah. quick, man. And it's funny. It, oh, totally. You know, when you're 20 and you're 
you're doing shit i mean the worst you're gonna feel is sore for a day or two and then you get to 30 it slows you down and then once you you know you get pushing 40 yeah. and, and hit 40 you're like jesus yeah what the hell <laughs> yeah i should have listened to those old timers telling me to take it a little bit easier oh yeah it's funny everyone's got to go guys too like oh, yeah. yeah right like I carry 130 pounds i'll be fine you, you had uh i liked your comment there you had on it was instagram you went and seen your doctor there <laughs> yeah yeah like that in itself shows the strains of this job like i compressed a vertebrae without even knowing it in the last two yeah. years awesome that's just my steady level of hurting <laughs> that i didn't even notice breaking my back yeah and you're a tall guy too eh? yeah six two six two yeah so i mean the you know and that's one thing if bigger guys they you definitely feel it more on your knees and obviously i've riddled with injuries myself but par for the course i guess yeah exactly all fun and games yeah you know if you go back i'm not saying i'd change it but or do the same way like, different i advise people away from this but i wouldn't give it up for anything so it's kind of a little bit hypocritical but yeah but again i mean you know it's uh like you said you're kind of a, a dive all in type of person and maybe that's what it takes and you know especially yeah. with today's generation you just look at things a lot differently than we did yeah well and like same thing i'm not like ragging on anyone but like the need for success and affirmation now and like instant gratification just yeah. that's not a thing like it takes so much work to get to the point where you could make it doing this that you're going to get shit on for yeah. years before you ever get to that like you said i mean um you know i mean even probably like the use of cell phones like how, like i mean the cameras and cell phones now have changed like honestly like how much was your very first camera you bought probably wasn't cheap that kit was cheap but i upgraded it very quickly and very heavily like i was in that first year way back when i think i sunk i don't even remember like 40 or 50 grand in the camera year yeah okay. <laughs> yeah that's a lot but i mean like you know compared to like what you can get for picture quality in you know just a camera it's, it's yeah. amazing like just how how far things have come and yeah. uh, in in the little time and but i mean it's one of those things where you know like myself i can go out and spend a hundred grand and i'll still take shitty pictures that's matter. just it the gear doesn't equate skill you're hunting trips with your buddies and that do you take your camera gear out with yeah you like your... those four trips a year with buddies are all still 100 work trips like i work with brands on them i go to my buddy like hey this is a work trip like it has to be this exact hunt because it's already pitched to a oh, brand yeah etc it's like yeah. they walk on i give them backpacks all clothes to wear weapons optics everything because oh, like nice. looks matter in marketing material Right. And like, I don't like very few of my images are used by companies for social media. Yeah. Just due to the price of them, they don't really want to waste them. They're used right. for the marketing stuff. So all those buddy trips and stuff is shooting typically like this year, I'm shooting the gear that's getting released in 2023. So you're, you're getting, uh, you're getting next year's gear. You're getting it yeah. out and you're getting, yeah. Got, I and the it. photos are what they use to release yeah. the gear to the public yeah. with that. That's part of their shot show at I get it. Hunt yeah. Expo. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's yeah, kind of cool. Buddy I mean, trips. your buddies get, uh, they get to wear some new gear and yeah, you get to go on a trip and hang out. And so. always get to be the first shooter. And yeah, there's definitely yeah. some perks. Yeah. No doubt. So do you go out with just like you and another guy? Never One guy or that. two guy. Two. Never more than two. Yeah, it gets to be a little crowded. You got a couple of buddies that you you do this once a year with, or um, yeah, or do like you switch it up. My best bit? friends are usually always on the roster, kind of thing. But oh yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, usually one of the four trips a year, I'll pull in like some random dude that I met along the line. Like having come from Alberta, like goat was always my pinnacle. Like it's the hardest tag to get in Alberta. There's like five of them in the whole province, so. Like I see yeah. that as the coolest shit ever. So I'll go yeah. to an Albertan or a Saskatchewan guy and be like, Hey, do you want this hunt for the price of a tag? The catch yeah. is I get to photograph you. It's like super easy to find guys because you're getting the equivalent of a twenty, thirty thousand dollar outfitted hunt for nothing, right? Yeah, and I mean goats a good one too, because I mean like what half the population or more than half the population of goats in the world are in BC or something like that. So. Yeah, it's like 70 or 80 percent. Is months. it that high? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I'm going on a goat hunt next week up north. But I just caught Sweet. COVID, so I'm oh nice get, getting over that. That's why I'm a little bit congested. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's freaking it's funny because like I see a lot of guys are they're kind of on to that uh that late fall, that late goat hunt now. So yeah, it got trendy like 
it's kind of a debatable topic again, but a couple people in the industry covered it and name dropped locations in BC where they were going. And then it was ran with by like Sitka and whoever that literally was the year it's because I go every year too. And that was oh, yeah. the year, the, the year after that was when it got busy, when it started trending, when it was the cool kids thing to do. Like, I hadn't seen a hunter in February for seven years or whatever it was until that exact yeah. event and then it was just busy ever since it wasn't uh i mean I, there there was guys doing it. a lot of locals did it my uh my yes. stepdad he he taught up there in uh in stewart quite familiar with that area there and i, w- I lived in prince rupert so it wasn't that yep. far away so we, we did it a few times and i've done it since i lived down here and, and stuff so but mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean i never heard of anybody else going on a trip yeah. like i mean obviously there's a there's a guide outfitter up there but um, yeah like milligan and whoever's up there there's guys doing it yeah, but not but like it is I, now. Yeah, it's a trendy thing now, like where you might see one party in an outfit or whatever post something or talk about it. You're now yeah, seeing it, seven podcasts and 20 crews going in February. Yeah, and it's funny because you can do that hunt, the exact same hunt at the beginning of August. That's a hell of a lot easier. It is and it is. I mean, it's not crazy hard hunt by any means. I mean, if you're lucky, if, if you're going to see a goat, you're, if they're going to be pushed down a bit. And a lot of times you could even get them coming down for a drink but yeah um, totally like i've been in on i don't even know how many goat hunts now but the thing people like you said don't i think realize is how much goat hunting opportunity there is from august to february in bc like it's not just that okay. one zone yeah like rupert yeah, that, Harris, smithers like it's everywhere <laughs> yeah that's what i mean and they're, and they're all like north of coastern british columbia has booked goat like everywhere like i i remember oh, yeah like, like three taking, four year old goat is booming crockett yeah i remember yeah. going from up the granville channel and looking on the hillside jesus man you'd, you'd count lose count of how many goats are up there and they're all huge huge yeah but i think and, that's just a product of it being so like social media trending right now it's not because guys really want to do this and have dug into it and like applied for one of these million one-to-one zones yeah or less than one to one or less than one yeah yeah, but I think it's because it's so trendy. That's why everyone's congregating to the one zone because it may have not been their thing that they actually really wanted to do. They're just doing it because everyone's doing it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my take because, like, like you yeah. said, there's so many good zones. Like, why wouldn't you just capitalize on one of the yeah, others? And exactly. In Region 6, you can, August 1st, Region 6 is huge. Oh, yeah. Huge. Like, and I've there's goats them. everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Totally. Yeah. Like, I've probably done 20 hunts in Region 6 in different places. And yeah, they're all insanely yeah. awesome every year do you do a, uh the same thing or is it kind of like every year okay like last year i hunted sheep this year i want to hunt caribou um 100 i'm not a sheep guy so i haven't even hunted sheep since moving to bc i've shot right. three bighorns in my life in alberta but it's just yeah. way much way too much cool shit in bc for that. yeah for, for sure i mean um, I, I got a sheep this year i had a, i had that region uh 317 uh yeah. draw leh and i got it yeah nice but uh i'm just not a sheep guy man like to be like yeah. like i when i when i first moved to Kelowna here from prince rupert i was um like we never had mule deer up there right just yeah. black tails right so i moved down here and then all of a sudden you start seeing a lot of mule deer and i just instantly got hooked on mule deer and i, I remember coming across this garage sale and i found this book and it was by uh kurt Dardner. i don't know if you ever heard of him but mm-hmm. probably one of the best like the best mule deer hunter around yeah. right so and he, he just kind of got me hooked on mule deer so it's always been about mule deer and i've done pretty good um you know coming from a place where you never hunt a mule deer i mean obviously the first few years were pretty rough trying to figure those critters out but i mean i've done pretty good i've gotten everyone i've gotten a mule deer every year and the two awesome. 200 so think about mule deer is that it takes a lot of work like you can't yeah. just go mule deer hunting you know what I mean? You yeah. can't just say, like, oh, I'm going to spend three days going mule deer hunt. doesn't work like that. You got to, you got to be scouting yeah, totally. constantly. And, and they're just, yeah, they're a tough critter, but I mean, that's why I love them. But so yeah. I'm kind of yes. into that and it's, no, the sheep for me aren't. Yeah. I mean, I love sheep, love looking at them. I just not really a sheep yeah. guy. Yeah. Same. Like a lot of guys, I guess, didn't believe me at the start, but now I've hunted with more and more of them. Like I have left, like had, legal sheep in the spotter and saw a goat the other direction and i go for the goat every time yeah i'm way more fascinated yeah i'm the same way man i'm way more fascinated with goats than i am sheep for some reason but i guess back to your initial question um i usually try to switch up hunts uh draws like i apply 
all yeah. over the U.S., Alberta, oh, okay. Saskatchewan, BC, everywhere. So that obviously changes what I'm hunting. But I guess Alberta is probably the single constant from year to year to year in Alberta hunt, whether it's whitetail or mule deer. Yeah, yeah. So but, you obviously got family out there. None of them hunt, but can you still go? Do you? I don't. You, are you go just with your family? I go with my you? buddies. Yeah, they just yeah. host you. Yeah, yeah, cool. And that's one cool thing about the states is I don't think a lot of people know is that like as a Canadian you res- resident, you still can put in for applications down there in some management units. And there's a well, lot of like TC 40 tags. different states. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And then like in, in Canada, I mean, well, I know like Saskatchewan, you can do what? Um, whitetail white and bear. bear. Ontario, you can do whitetails without a guide or a host. Like there's a few, just nothing yeah. like the states. Yeah. Nothing like the states for sure. Yeah. Just kind of neat. You figure out an area that has less land and 10 times as many people, there'd be, um, it'd be the opposite. There wouldn't yeah. be enough. But but I think that's why kind of everyone down there idolizes what we have up here. Because if we did that, the hunting quality would go through the floor in Western Canada with how busy it was. <laughs> if we let, if we just like let just our... everyone in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we have enough problems as yeah, it is up here. What we got. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is the problems we have hunting is a such a small result of 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 the loss of our wildlife and and yeah and all that it it yeah makes it when i just funny because i talk to americans and i tell them that and they're like huh what yeah no totally. I mean, how can that be you guys got well, like, it's... they're like how much public land do you have in british columbia and i'm like yeah pretty much all of it <laughs> yeah, there's more public land in british columbia than there is land in texas so i'll get, yeah put that to scale yeah totally yeah, and they're kind but of. But I think the problem is like, well, everyone knows the problem. They just don't care. Yeah. Like, wildlife and land sustainability and health is just not on the radar. Yeah, and it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, and it's funny because like, I talk to my dad about this stuff all the time, and you know, he's a baby boomer, right? So everything was kind of just like, you know, how the baby boomer generation was, right? It was mm-hmm. just like they kind of had everything, and like they didn't really have to like you know, there's no repercussions for shit they were doing at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and now it's kind of like, well, and they're like, like my dad's like, Oh, I remember when you used to be doing this. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, maybe if you guys would have did this, we'd exactly. still be able to have some of that. Yeah. He's like, nah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Like, why are you arguing with me? That's how it is. Yeah, totally. Like you hear it with the salmon and stuff all the time. It's like, yes, there's bigger things affecting the salmon, but still, if you didn't just mass murder them in the early 1900s, yeah. they couldn't well, have heard it anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I remember going moose hunting up, like we go to Houston and go moose hunting with those guys. And like by day three, there was like moose down. Like, I mean, and it's not, it, again, it has, it's not due to hunting, but it's just due to like road access and everything else. Right. Industry, yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Right. But at the oh, time so when all that Prince stuff George. was going, yeah. At the time when that stuff was going on, if they would have st- stepped in and said, Hey, and, and I'm not saying there wasn't people that were doing it, but I mean, I don't think enough of them, but yeah. You know, uh, again, like we talked about earlier, everything is a little easier to access now. I mean, I had no idea about that, that shit going up and up northeastern BC until I seen it on your post, right? So uh, let's talk a bit about, because uh, I'm kind of interested in like your hunts. So when you're going on your, your hunts for say, like not for yourself with your buddies, you guys are doing yeah. what, like a backpack hunt, say what, for yeah. like five to seven day backpack hunt? Yeah. So are you, are you, a, uh, are you big on weight? Like, are you a weight fanatic when it comes to your pack? Cause I imagine like what, what is all your camera gear weigh just alone? Just your camera gear sit around 30 pounds. Yeah. More than that. So like, so like my you get hunting hung up on weight stuff. A lot? Yeah. Like just yes, all the like other, I would have had the lightest pack out of anyone you've ever met if it wasn't for my camera gear. Cause I've refined it so, so, so much. Okay. That was, yeah. My thing was, is that by design? Like, do you, well, you it's just, like, I don't want to carry more shit than I have to. And I have to carry the camera stuff and the 20 yeah. batteries and this and that and all the lenses. And so yeah, like every single other piece of my kit is the lightest shit you will find anywhere. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Like the gear itself is light. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah that's one nice like thing. I could easily if hunting by myself go on like a 10 day hunt well under 50 pounds with a weapon oh yeah yeah that's nice yeah I, myself i mean i don't get on into weight too much i mean yeah if i i'm not big on either on bringing shit that i don't need so like yeah. I, I, there's a lot of things that guys will bring and be like oh I, I bring i bring this because you know this but then i'll go like yeah i get it 
yeah you know what i mean like there's they, a few bring, comforts i bring for sure like i bring a helinox chair on most backpacking mm-hmm. trips it's like a lot yeah, of people I mean, think it's retarded are... packing a chair up the mountain but it is an extra pound in your pack yeah but yeah, but it's yeah. yeah but those things i mean yeah they do they do add up but again if you're if you're comfortable especially glassing i mean i i don't use one myself but i bring a pad right i bring a, yeah. a pad to sit down on um yeah you know i have used those in in the past uh yeah that's just it the more things that bring you comfort either mentally with like the odd shitty snack or whatever Mm -hmm. that'll just keep you happier hunting harder like why wouldn't you yeah yeah so what about your food do you you, the type of guy you just do you have all your meals planned out pre-planned out or you just throw all your shit in a bag and say okay i go to the grocery store like two days before my trip and just go up in the aisles i don't count calories i don't do whatever like i've just done so many i know what i want need um, I really don't need much food compared to most guys. Like I've calculated it on a few trips, like week, 10 day trips. And I've been between like 1500 and 2000 calories Yeah, like where yeah. that would absolutely crush a lot of guys. But it's just like, I do fine with very little. Yeah. I'm the same way, you know? And I, I finally, I kind of find it amazing that some guys are like, Oh, I have to, I got to bring this or this and I need 30 450 calories each day to function properly yeah. and it's like well i mean yeah like i i don't i just bring if i'm if i'm hungry i'll eat and normally when you're just i mean obviously you get hungry but um yeah you can go a long time sometimes just like by accident you'll go the whole day and yeah you know you're not hungry so if you're not hungry what the hell's the point of eating right so i mean yeah uh, i think too in the backcountry a lot of guys confuse thirst with hunger like you start to feel yeah. it like you're not even putting back a liter a day. Yeah. That's the bigger yeah. issue. I yeah, find it, that yeah. hunger. Yeah. I find that too. And I've gone to a couple of guys that are, that are under hydrator. Right. Yeah. yeah. And instead of, you know, getting some water stuff, they're sitting there, you know, sucking they on eat. those, eating and sucking on those uh, energy squeeze tubes and stuff like that. Just trying to get, yeah. saying, Oh, I'm, you know, depleted. I got to bring up my caloric intake and you're like, well, yeah, just have some water, dude. Yeah, totally. But I guess everyone figures it out. You do enough of them, you yeah. find it every single trip. And yeah, if you come home with five extra pounds of food, it's like, well, I'm definitely not taking that next time. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you know, if you're a little hungry on the for the last half a day, you're packing shit out, then you know you did good. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, for sure. So what what about uh, like your camp setup? Do you uh, you run a, a big tent, small tent? Do you guys all like when you go with your buddies? Do you guys all you hunker into one tent or you, you no? Like run Golden rule is I will never share a tent. No, um, it just sucks too bad. Like if you get rained out for days or blizzard or whatever, like two guys stuck in that small a space for that long of time is just hell to me. Yeah, um, I pack an excessively large tent for a single person. Like it's a Hilberg and yen or angen however you say it to gt so it's got the massive vestibule you could likely sleep three dudes in it if you wanted to and i use it just for myself right, right. um yeah. i ended up going that route purely for like in the vestibule it's big enough same thing on weather days to throw my helinox up and just sit and cook and do everything in there right and not have to get your sleeping bag wet and lay out all my batteries and camera mm-hmm. shit at night yeah so that's yeah, definitely my, on the heavier side of things I take. Yeah, myself, I like a bigger tent. So if there's two of us, I I prefer sleeping. I'm the opposite. I prefer sleeping with uh, somebody like sleeping in the same tent, just because I'm a very light sleeper. Mm-hmm. And I find if there's a guy in another tent and they rustling around, moving around, if they're oh yeah, drives me fucking nuts. It drives <laughs> me nuts. I'm always like, oh, is uh, okay. Roll over, go back to sleep. Right, and then yeah all over again like i I, but i'm a super light sleeper not just myself you know but i've gone with with buddies who who uh they prefer to sleep with themselves and i mean it's it's not that bad but the extra room is nice when you don't have to share yeah like uh, i could care less if the trip is blue sky and no weather like Mm -hmm. other than a guy might smell a little funky by the end of a long backpacking trip like there's usually no issues but yeah yeah i just always anticipate pack plan for the absolute shittiest trip yeah. What What's the one thing that you just can't do without on, on like a, a backpack, huh? Besides mm, your camera gear. Probably an ice axe hiking pole. I wouldn't yeah. leave one of those behind for nothing, like a whip it or the mountain stick or something yeah. similar to that. Yeah. The hiking poles are a must. And it's funny. I was like <laughs> trying to get me to use my cousin, tried to get me to use pipe poles for years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 
no, yeah. those are for pussies and old men, eh? Like, no, I'm not using that. I'll tell, I like, I'm not using it. And then, and then sure enough, I, I, I don't remember how I first started using what it was his, and I used one of his, and I was like, oh my God, the game's yeah. like just instantly. Yeah. Like, wow. Especially like on the just the downhill part, just like my knees. Yeah. That's the only time I actually like, use yeah. it. Yeah. Uphill's not too bad, just downhill though. Like, and I only packed the one, never two, yeah, just because same two. thing. I always have a camera running. Yeah. Yeah. Just for my knees on the way out. But that ice axe thing that a lot of guys don't take unless it's like a late season hunt, like we were talking about, is insanely handy. Like, end up using it for everything. So I would never just take a singular normal hiking pole. It'd be the ice axe one or nothing. What about like a spotter and stuff? Do you, do you, pack all that stuff with you too or you just run your like your your camera gear because i imagine you're when i'm working camera I'm not gear hunting. Can... yeah gotcha i'm not helping glass i'm not spottering i'm not binoculating i'm photographing because if i'm yeah. hunting like doing the acts of the hunt i'm not getting the photos yeah it's taken away it's one or the other yeah yeah yeah, no, no. yeah that which is sense. why like i would never photograph a hunt i was hunting on like you just cannot do both yeah i mean that makes sense that's like i said that's my biggest problem is i'm always i never taking time to stop and take a picture i'm always just yeah. too hyper focused on what i'm doing and yeah uh, but uh, and you'll find that too like there is photographers that do do both but the spectrum of the photos they get like you'll see lots of kill stuff you'll see lots of camp stuff and like that's usually where it's like concentrated just because you can tell when they're bored and oh i guess i'll take some photos now versus the moments when like you would be hunting is what yeah. they had the least amount of content on. Yeah. You see, I'm kind of like, I'm not a, a really a grip and grin pi- person. Like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. like taking pictures of anything I shoot and I, I never, I very rarely post any of that stuff. I just, you know, it, to me, it's just for me and it's not for anybody else, but that's the thing that I find most intriguing is like those, those neat little camera angles or pictures where, you know you'd like i don't even know how you do them like you have them on your instagram page and i'm assuming a lot of your photos are the same way because it must just be like your unique style and like you know you just put a camera down and take a picture and you know it it shows like maybe a hunter blurred off in the background but it shows something else that's in focus and stuff like that to me those are the neatest pictures yeah yeah it's the ones you don't think of yeah would you say like so is that by design or or you just take so many pictures that you know it just it just happens like a lot of guys will set out to photograph, like have objectives and write them down and like have a photo list they want to accomplish in a trip. So they're happy if they get whatever I need, those types of shots, I need cam shots, I need over the shoulder hunting shots. Whereas I shoot to get those every single minute of every single day. So I'm trying to look at every single scene and crush the entire list at each scene rather than as a whole of the trip. So yeah, just kind of countless amounts of all of them from all so how many how many pictures on like how many pictures do you take in a day say on on one of these hunts one to two thousand <laughs> so that camera's just it's going yeah, obviously kill all. days are a little heavier that'd be closer to the two thousand um, wow a thousand would be like you're boring not really much changing like you're not moving around much so kind of the same scene but that's crazy that's yeah. a lot of pictures. So do you have to go, like when you get back to, say you're on for 10 days, you come back, now you got, I don't know, 15,000 pictures. Yeah. How do you go through all those? How do you process all that? Like one by one on a um, screen or? Do you, do yeah. So I have a big like 40 inch monitor. Oh yeah. So I could see all the imperfections, but I will go through just because the schedule usually is so busy that time of year. And I will like just quickly burn through them all. Like I'll take a couple hours, but just flag kind of the ones that really stand out, catch my eye. And like, the clients don't get everything from a trip, obviously. Yeah. So say I need 20 or whatever for whatever company, I will go through and grab enough to make each client happy and move on to the next project. Like till I have right. downtime to go back and actually go through everything. And so do you have to edit, edit any of these pictures or do you, do you yeah, do they're any all edit- edited? Oh yeah. Yeah. I do all the editing. Yeah. So yeah. Like, so when they get on it, a, they could just, Print it, put in the magazine or whatever they're using it for. Yeah, like it's good to go. Like I have all color calibrated monitors so they don't have to screw with them. Like just right. stuff like that. But yeah, on any given hunt, I would say it's a pretty big range, but I will finish edit, have ready to go 150 to 300 photos. Wow, it's a lot. Regardless a lot. of the duration, that's usually about what I need to keep everyone happy. Like if I, it doesn't matter if I have one client on the trip or three 
there's lots of times they'll all get in on one trip to save money but so so i imagine the advancements in in photography gears definitely helped because like everything now just is on an sd card whereas before it used to have to be like um like you imagine compared to film yeah, yeah. Uh, sd is absolute garbage and i would never use one there's things oh, okay. that are what, light years ahead of that now but, oh is there okay we'll yeah that's, that's about shows five what I know. back oh <laughs> okay there you go but yeah um they just have too high of a failure rate like it's oh, not yeah. uncommon at all to lose everything on an sd card so what's it now like trail cam guys um xqd and cf express are the top two oh, but yeah. the cameras are built for them like they're not even the same shape look whatever as sd as a, gotcha um, if you're buying cameras with SD cards, you're kind of in like there's three tiers of camera, like a consumer amateur level, a prosumer, which is like a midline and then pro bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, usually the pro bodies are your several thousand dollar camera bodies. And those are the ones that have these new, higher, faster, better cards. So your average person will never see it because your average person won't drop eight grand or five yeah. grand on a camera body. Yeah, definitely. So how many pictures will fit on, I guess it all depends on the size of the photo, but yeah. roughly how many fit on each one of these cards? I usually, I don't max them out. Like you can fit, same thing depends on the size. Like you can get yeah. 256 gig card and fit thousands and thousands and thousands of photos. Yeah. But I usually switch them out because I'm always running two cameras at once too. Right. So both of those cards each day, I will take out and put in my waterproof card case and grab two new cards each day. And that's purely because like if I get washed away in a creek, I don't want to lose everything from the trip because I shot the entire trip on, on one two card. cards. Yeah. yeah. That makes when sense. both cameras go down. Yeah. Whereas I could still salvage it because it's in a waterproof hard case. Right. What I shoot each day up until then if something goes south. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you got her dialed in. Yeah. A lot of mistakes were learned. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to learn, though. You got to learn the hard way. Yeah, totally. It's most effective. So, you got any plans for the spring for just yourself? You do? Uh, do you hunt spring bear? No, I'm booked solid this year. So, do you hunt spring bear though? Try. Yeah, to? I, every year. This will be the first year I actually don't shoot both spring bears. Cool. I probably shot uh, 50, 60 bears in my life. Yeah, it's a fair bit. Yeah. It's nice yeah, in like, BC right now. Anyway, we're allowed to shoot two, which is good. Yeah, allowed to change. I always bounce back. Like. I've hunted Saskatchewan, Idaho, Montana for bears, yeah. Alberta. And like even in Alberta, because I lived there up until my mid-20s kind of thing. But they have a thing where on private land for predation purposes, you can shoot bears year-round without a tag if you have a written letter from the landowner. Oh, really? So like in July or June or whatever, when the seasons were closed, we'd rip out, find a cattle ranch that has black bears on it in like the foothills. And you just get to hunt around. So yeah, did a lot that's of bear good. hunting that way. <laughs> that's neat. Yeah. I love that. Uh, bow hunt bears or you rifle hunt them. I probably both 30 of those have been with my bow. Oh yeah. 35. Yeah. 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 Cool. So do you, do, until uh, the last couple of years, I pretty much tried to bow hunt most things, but kind of took a hiatus this last bit. Yeah. This year I just hunted strictly with my bow. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Different. I mean, I, I've shot a bow long enough for it. You know, I can shoot 80 yards, no problem, but it's just a different I guess I kind of hit my objectives too with the bow. Like I've got some really big deer, antelopes, like blacktails, bears, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. The only Maybe thing if I, I got a really cool tag, I'll try to bow hunt it or go up to the bow yeah. zone or something for a sheep. But cool. That'd be cool. There's just yeah, no benefit I, yeah. here, like Alberta. Like if we had the two extra months, then yeah, I'd bow hunt like crazy again. But yeah, that's one of the kind of frustrating things. I mean, obviously, like in Region 8, you're allowed to rifle hunt during the elk rut, which drives me bonkers. But it's just yeah. like being out in the woods with your bow because you want to bow hunt. And then yeah. there's still rifle hunting opportunity. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's hard to make the full commitment to act. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're like, well, I'll bring, like, I, because I, before I was like, oh, I'll bring my bow, but I'll bring my gun just in case. And then you, yeah. you know, and then you always rifle hunt. <laughs> you always end up back to your rifle because you're like, well, fuck, man. Like, you hear gunshots yeah. a couple kilometers away and you're like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Like, fuck it. I'm yeah. Just, yeah it's I'm, defeating. I'm sick of being out here. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to, but this year I, I, I just said, no, I got to just keep the gun at home and go strictly yeah. for my bow. And uh, it's pretty yeah, much the only like, way to do it. Yeah. This, I was looking for a nice fall bear this year. Um, I got one in the spring, but I, I wanted to get one in the fall and I couldn't get one. I couldn't get, yeah. just couldn't close the deal. 
for the yeah. rifle it would have been no problem but not with the bow couldn't get i couldn't get within 100 yards yeah so cool awesome. man okay so where can everybody uh find and follow you and all that jazz um pretty much everything is my name my website my instagram my facebook just nick Trehearn. the last name is t-r-e-h-e-a-r-n-e since no one will be able to spell it otherwise yeah i, I wouldn't even be able to say it but i'll throw it up in the show yeah notes totally so yeah. <laughs> but yeah website and all social medias are just my name cool dude where are you off to next um let me just the calendar some fishing work down south and then spain after that oh yeah so with all the uh the government just easing the restrictions with uh, the border. You must be loving that, eh? Uh, yeah, like contrary to a lot of what the media has said, like I've traveled out of country this entire time COVID's been happening. It's yeah. been a pain in the ass, but we've been able to do it. Yeah, so it hasn't been so, impossible. Yeah, it's, yeah hard to, they, it's hard to follow the freaking news. You never know, like you never yeah. know what's actual news and what they're just wanting people to, to see or read. So it drives yeah, me nuts. but. With our government, I'm not banking on any consistency moving forward. So take it as it comes. Yeah, we got, uh, yeah, I don't know which way you swing in in BC, but like from my point of view, we got like the worst of both worlds, provincial and federal. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) Yeah, cool, dude. Okay, buddy. It's good talking to you. Good to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Okay, man. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, eh? See ya. Hey, I want to thank everyone again for tuning in to another episode of the Folk Hunting Podcast, which is coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoors Collective. This episode of the Focus Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Vortex Optics, the best in optics, period. Backroads Maps, never get lost with Backroads Maps. And AKU Boots, you owe it to your feet. A uh, quick shout out to Hal for Wildlife. If you guys are not familiar with Hal for Wildlife, make sure you head on over to howlforwildlife.org. Become a member. It doesn't cost you anything. they got tons of great stuff going on, and uh, we're going to be working with them, getting some Canadian issues put on their uh, platform. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks again, everybody.